Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, let me ask you a question. What does a book, a movie, a song, an angel, a human, a friend, and a donkey have in common? You go, wait a minute, what was that list again? What does a book, a movie, a song, an angel, a human, a friend, and a donkey have in common? That's an interesting list, is it not? You go, okay, Ben, I give. What do they have in common? You ready? God can use all of them to bring glory to himself. Whether it's a book or a movie or a donkey or whatever it might be, God will can and will use that to bring glory to himself. You see, God uses circumstances and people, and may I even say this, broken people, to bring glory to his name. If you're taking note, let me give you some scripture references. It's Psalm 50, verse 15, which says this, the Lord, the, the psalmist writes, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. It goes on in Psalm 86, verse 12. He says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all of my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. And Paul, writing in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which our gods. These are gods. Paul reminds us that we were bought with a price. And our lives should glorify God. That's what we're here for. Now before we jump in and we can see how our lives should and could be used by the living God, let me remind you where we left off last week. Daniel and his friends were praying. And if you're a note taker, I want you to just Remind yourself that the book of Daniel is a book of prayer. A book of prayer. You see, more likely than not, they were praying a very personal Amida. Very personal. Why? Because the matter at hand in which they were praying for was really intense. It was really intense. It wasn't something that it was like, oh, I'm praying for a parking spot at Walmart. I hope I get it. Oh, I'm praying, Lord, that I, I win the lottery, even though you shouldn't be praying and playing the lottery, okay? I'm just saying. Or whatever it might be. You see, the matter was, um, it, this was a matter of life and death. And I would imagine that they were playing, or they prayed with chuspa. Chuspa. You go, what was that? Do you remember chuspa was this boldness, perseverance, this shameless audacity? This is what they were probably praying with. Now, labor, labor with me for just a moment, and I want to bring you up to speed to what's happened so far. Daniel and his friends are in a pickle. Why? Because King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that so freaked him out that he literally, literally, literally could not go back to sleep. 
He was so troubled. So what does he do? He commands all the wise men in Babylon, all the astrologers, come on in here, get in here. And he says, he says, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Well, of course, you can't read somebody else's mind. You don't know what dream they had. All you know is your king woke up and was so freaked out and, and now you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And so what do they do? They do what you and I would do. They're begging the king, please, please don't. Just tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. Well, maybe I can go back and say, hey, what did you have before you went to sleep, king? <laughs> did you have something something greasy? Um, no, no, no. Daniel and his friends were summoned with the others, but they simply did not go. For we discover in verses 13 to 15 that the killing had either begun or they were rounding up the wise counsel to be executed. Daniel inquires as to why. But let's go back for just a moment because there's some great application that we can grab from here. You go, what do you mean? Look at verse 13 of Daniel chapter 2. It says, so the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. Now when I look at this, it tells me that they began killing the wise men. I don't know if that literally means the guys that were in the court right here, done, and then they say, okay, we're going to move on. I assume that's what it means, but it got me to think. It got me to think as they begin and kill. I mean, here are, here are innocent wise men, whatever it might be, astrologers or wise men or magicians or whatever that we talked about. They're innocent. They're coming here going, of course, and, 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 and crying out to, to their deity, if you will, and saying, nobody can do this. Nobody can read somebody else's mind. Nobody knows somebody else's dream. But what are we going to do? And I started to think about how many innocent people died because of the king's decree. They began killing these guys. Well, when you hear about this in the news, it does a couple of things. Number one, it strikes fear in everybody. Okay? It really does. It strikes fear. You're going, wait, did you, did, you, did, did you hear about Bill? Did you hear about Bill? Bill got it. Well, Bill was like the number one wise guy. You know what I'm saying? He was like, oh, Bill's dead. Bill said, why? Well, he couldn't interpret the dream. Well, we can't. And it strikes fear. It strikes fear. Here's what I love about Daniel, guys. We're going to see that Daniel doesn't have fear because he has the Lord. And the great application for us is that you're going to hear things in the weeks and months and years to come that is intended to strike fear in your souls. You're going to hear things, whoa, whoa. Is that really going on? Is that happening? Don't believe it. Trust the living God. You go, Bill Ben, what if it's true? Then we still trust the living God. Because they were going after Daniel. They were going to kill him. But I find it very interesting because then Daniel, with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king? So why do you want to kill us so fast? What's, what, what's the big hurry? And Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. And I think that's real important. Guys, here's what you need to grasp. Number two, God is always working behind the scenes. God is always working. If somebody's got to kill, I don't think you ever have a conversation with somebody who's out to come and murder you. 
hey, wait a minute, hold on. Let's talk about this. Why do you want to kill me? Tell me. Oh, no, let's talk. No, you're normally, if they're going to execute you, they want to strike fear, they want to do it fast, and they want to move on. But yet God was working behind the scenes. And here's what you need to know. God is working behind the scenes in your life, whether you see it or not. Almost all of the things we do, God is governing if you're a believer in him. How do I know? Well, it was just yesterday. Adam and I were here. He was doing a project for me. And all of a sudden, there was a strange car in the parking lot as we were walking out the door. And a young lady who we invited to church came up and, and said, no, I'm, I just pulled in the parking lot because I was on the phone. And after about 20 minutes of ministering to her, I mean, it, it was it, you can tell it was a God thing. It was a God thing. Out of all the, you know, I don't know if it was Humphrey Bogart or not, but of all the parking lots and all the churches and all of Lubbock, Texas, you pulled into mine? You know what I mean? <clears throat> Only the older folks will get that one. Joe. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, so she pulled in and we got to minister to her. But you've come to find out that the Lord really ministered to her in a way that was blown. If you ever have an opportunity, and I don't know if Adam felt this, but, but I could feel the Lord just speaking through me in things that, you know, that are hard to say to someone. And we began to minister and we prayed with her and she, she left. But the point is, is that God was working not only on, on her behalf, because I always look at she ministered to us. And hopefully she ministered, in a sense, to you. Remember the king's dream. In verse 3, we're going back just a little bit. In verse 3, it says, And the king said to them, I've had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. And the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Look at verse 5. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made as an ash heap. Now, before we jump on, think about this for just a moment. Think about the job you're in. And your boss comes to you and says, Hey, you need to tell me almost this impossible thing. And if you don't, you're dead. And not only you, but your house and your dog and everybody in your house is done. You're done. All of you. Like we say in Texas, all y'all are done. And I was thinking about that as I was going over my notes, and I was thinking, wow, can you imagine going home? Can you imagine me going home? Uh, honey, I have great, I have good news and I have bad news. Oh, okay. What's the good news? Well, the good news is if I can interpret the dream, if I can first understand and interpret the dream, I'm going to get all these riches. We're going to be at, well, you'll never have to work again. This is going to be good. And she goes, okay, well, what's the bad news? Well, here's the bad news. If I can't, not only am I going to die, but you're going to die. And the house is going to be smushed. Well, I think she would probably pick up her bag at that point and say, see ya. <laughs> We're no longer married. Well, wait, 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 wait. Well, you're the one who decided to be a wise guy, you know? You're the one who wanted to be, no, 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 we got to stick together, baby. What happened for better or for worse? And there she runs off. But you feel the, you feel the weight of that. Obviously, I'm being silly, but you feel the weight of, of what's going on here. 
This is not just letters on a page where we go, oh, yeah, well, that was, okay. This is intense. This is intense. But I love what Daniel does. You go, what's that? I think it's a great character for us. In verse 16, it says, So Daniel went in, asked the king to give him time, that he might tell the king the interpretation. If you notice in the previous verses, none of the other people asked for time. They just, they just simply backed up and went in. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop. Well, nobody can do this, king. This is crazy. Daniel goes, okay, hold on. Now, the point of this is very key. Remember, this was not a stalling tactic. Oh, no, Daniel was just trying to stall. He was just trying to figure out how to, how to escape. He was, him and his compadres were going to break out. And, and uh, no, you know what? Daniel needed some time to pray. He needed some time to pray. And that's where we pick up our story today. Daniel and his compadres, the ones that are in the scripture, were now asking the king, can we pray? Can we pray? Give us some time to pray. When it comes to prayer, church, we've learned that there are three specific prayers every Jewish boy would know. And they are good for us to grasp as we grow in our prayer life. The first one is the Shema. You guys, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And, and they, would, they would pray that in the morning and the evening. It's the Shema found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They would pray that. Now, I'm not sure if it was a life and death situation that I would simply stick to the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. Did I get an answer? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But then we went into the Amidah. And the Amidah, now remember, is 19 blessings, 19 prayers. Each blessing opens with a signature. You ready? Blessed are you, O Lord, in the same way, blessed are you, O Lord. Remember. The first three blessings um, as a section are known as the Shavach, which is praise. It, and, and it serves to inspire the worshiper and to invoke God's mercy. I think that was key. If I was about to be killed, I would pray for God's mercy on my life. How so? Well, think about Daniel for just a moment. He didn't ask to be there. Daniel was taken from Babylon he didn't ask. He was like, hey, I think I'll go with you guys. I think that'd be pretty cool. I filled out a resume and I got the job. And now here I am in the University of Babylon and it's going to be great. He didn't do that. And there he is. And so I'm sure he's playing the Shavak. And then he moved to the middle 12 to 13 blessings. You go, why 12? Well, this is known as the Bakasha. And this is the request. And this would be key. Six personal requests. Personal? Yes, six. He's going, what do you mean? Well, we'll, we'll there were six personal. Lord, uh, only you can interpret dreams. Only you. I don't know what's going on here, but you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking. And then he would get six common or community requests. Why? Because think about that. Maybe Daniel heard that, that, that some of the people, now remember he's been there three years, and, and some of his buddies in, in, in the wise circle, if you will, might have been dead, and now he's thinking, oh no, Bill's dead, John's dead, and, and Lord, this is going to be a big impact in the community of Babylon, and, and there's Hebrews that are getting killed, and so God, please, please. Then they added one 
And I love this because it's the final request to accept the prayers. Lord, hear our prayers. Will you accept that? And then the final three blessings are known as the hodada, and it's the gratitude, and they thank God for the opportunity to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord. Which reminds me of the conversation that I had with this lady yesterday outside the doors of the church. Because she came in and she said I, she promised, that God promised that he was going to restore everything in her life that the enemy had taken. And she came up and she said, God's going to restore everything the enemy has taken. He promised me that. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, well, I said, what if he doesn't? Are you okay with that? Yeah, but he promised. Oh, oh okay, I, I get it, he promised, but... But are you okay if he doesn't? And that took her back for just a moment because she had to think. Am I? And I said, here's the point. The point is whether God promised or he does or doesn't, guess what? You still get God. And so that's the key to the last part of the blessing. Guys, it's gratitude whether God's going to answer and save Daniel. Of course, we know the story. Or... Is Daniel going to go, well, you know what, Lord? Blessed be the king of kings and lord of lords. He didn't give anything to me. Here's my head. Here's my head. That should be the attitude of the believer today. That we trust the sovereignty of God, and we don't follow God because he makes life better. We follow God because he's better than life. Amen. You, you see that. Well, what if, God does, what if God doesn't? What if he doesn't? If God doesn't heal, will you still believe? If God doesn't restore, are you still going to be faithful? If God in your sovereignty changes directions in your life, are you still going to believe that he's got your best friend. Well, that's a tough one. That's a tough. You see, when we're sitting comfortably with six million in the bank, it's easy to go, yeah, I believe God. <laughs> yeah, but when you're in, you feel that way when you're minus six million in the bank and, and you got the creditors calling. Okay, God, I trust you. I trust you. Here's the point, guys. All this is great, and God has blessed us with all the material blessings we have, right? Amen? We've eaten today. Amen? We've taken a shower. Hopefully you've taken a shower today. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but none of that is, is going to matter 100 years from now, is it? None of it. What's going to matter is you're going to stand before a holy God and, and, and you're going to glorify him. And he's not going to ask you what was in your bank account. He's not going to ask you what you did. He's going to say... What did you do with my son Jesus? Did you live to glorify him? You go, I did, Lord. He goes, I know you did. Come on in. Come on in. But the situation here in Daniel chapter 2 is really grave. It's really grave. I make light of it in the sense that, yeah, they were probably playing the Amidah, but I bet the third part of their prayer was the Chispah. I bet they were not going, you know, hey, Lord, bless this food. For this about to be about to eat, amen. And I, Lord, if 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 you, let me pray. Let me pray how Daniel would pray. Lord, if you're not too busy, maybe Lord that you would, um, if you have some time, maybe you can give me the interpretation 
Um, you know, Bill died and John got killed just now, but if you could, I hope, amen? That's not how he prayed. He prayed with chitzpah. He prayed with shameless... God! In heaven, I cry out with my, my soul. I cry out with, with and, and you know ugly cry, right? The ugly cry, everything comes down, snot, and ah, God! And you're crying out, and that's, that's the shameless audacity. And I'm pretty sure that's the prayer that Daniel prayed. Now, I don't think we need to use the chutzpah when you're praying for a parking space at Walmart. God! You know, no, use Lord, help me get closer because I got a bum knee or whatever it might be. And God hears those prayers. But when we're praying for people's souls and people's lives and our own walk with God, I think we should ask with that, with that shameless audacity, Lord, Lord. So tonight, we're going to look at the character of Daniel. Let me, let me give you a disclaimer before we move on. In order, to be, in order to dare to be a Daniel, we must understand, you ready? That in and of ourselves, we're not capable of acting or living like a Daniel. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you, did you hear what I said? I said, in and of ourselves, we're not capable. Okay? It's only by the strength that we can live like a Daniel or Joseph. It's only by his strength. It's only by his strength that we dare to live like a Daniel. Now, listen. Listen to this. God actually values weakness. Now, now hear me. Hear me. I'm not saying that God, it, God takes pleasure in your weakness. Oh, <laughs> but he values. He values our Weakness. Why? Because it's in our weakness that God's strength is actually magnified. There's no way you and I go, well, that was me. <laughs> that was all me. You know, most of the time in our weakness, we walk away going, thank you, Lord, for showing up. Thank you, Lord, for showing up. Thank you, God. And, and, and that's, that's what he said. Listen, God actually values that in you. Don't you dare look at it like a weakness. Don't you dare go, oh, I'm just weak. You know? And don't you call yourself a failure. Failure is an event, not a person. Because it's in those times where God goes, watch what I'm going to do. You go, well, he hasn't done anything. At the very least, he's trying to teach us something. And he's trying to grow us more like his son, Jesus. Be careful with what you listen to. Oh, you're a failure. Oh, you're a loser. Oh, you're this, you're that. You're, you're weak. You're messed up. You, did. you know what? No. I know I'm weak. I know I blow it. But that's where God's going to shine the brightest. Now, this isn't being taught in churches across the world. Of course not. You got to be strong and you got to be this and you got to be that. I'll tell you what we've run into lately, if you'll give me a sidetrack for just a moment. We've run into where the church is not teaching the Bible and we're getting a lot of bad doctrine in the world. 
from your friends, people you love. Bad doctrine. You know, I'm the head and not the tail. Okay, where'd you get that from? Well, he was talking to Israel. Well, you know, one puts a thousand to flight, and, 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 and they quote all of this stuff, which I understand, but it's just, nobody ever wants to quote Peter. Where it says, if you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. You ever see that on a marquee going to a church? Come on in! We don't see that, do we? But we're dealing with that. So what's the admonition for us, church? We have to know the Word of God so we can lovingly help our brothers and sisters out of that bondage. Out of that bondage. So Daniel and his friends, they're going to be used by God in a tremendous way. After much prayer, God's going to give Daniel the vision and the dream of what it means but not for the glory of Daniel. You understand that. So, but, so everyone in the Babylonian kingdom would know that there is a God who is greater and mightier, whose name is above all names, and all glory goes to God. So, understand, I'm, that's why I'm called this message, do you want to be used by God? Because I believe that most of us, if not all of us, want to live our lives and want our lives to count on this earth. Okay? Let me just say this. Let me see if I can put it into perspective. Every one of us has a birth date, and every one of us is going to have a death date. And the dash in the middle is what you're going to do with your life. And I want my dash to count for the Lord. That that's exactly that that every one of us goes, man, Lord, I want my dash to count. I want to make an impact in my family, at my workplace, my school, wherever I am. I want to, I want my life to count. Now, why would you say that? Well, think about it. How old is Daniel here? Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. You see, young people, young people. This is Daniel. And we, we want to be used to bring glory to his name. I'm excited for the day when we get to heaven and somebody I've never known is going to come up to me and say, because of you, I accepted the Lord. Oh, really? Were you at one of my crusades? Were you you one of my church services? No, no. But I saw your life from afar and I wanted what you have. All glory to God. Wow. Wow. You see, we're called, church, listen to me, to shine the light of the gospel in a very dark place. We're called to shine the light of the gospel. And you know what? Sometimes a dark place, listen to this, looks very light. You understand that. Like, like you and I are used to going into a dark room and seeing dark stuff, and we're like, oh, it's dark, turn on the light. We all get our phone lights out and try to figure out where we're going. But sometimes a very dark place, people in a very dark place who are far from God, okay, is, is right open in the, in the bright light, and they don't know. Number two, we're leading, again, leading someone to the saving knowledge of Jesus. How about that? 
I like what Pastor Ed says, and he constantly says this, who have you told about Jesus lately? Who have you led to the Lord? Well, that's not my job, Pastor. That's your job. I just bring him to church. But you know what? Here's the thing. God can use you to do that. We can't be scared anymore. You go, what if they say no? They say no. Well, but people, they think of it. Well, don't be obnoxious. Just, 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 just tell people. Just tell people. You go, well, what if they're already Christian? Then high five them and say, I gained a brother. <laughs> right on. Now, tell me about your doctrine. Where are you from? <laughs> but most importantly, God is calling us to be a servant of the one true king. To be a servant. And what does that require of us? To walk humbly, guys. To walk humbly. Pride is an awful, awful thing. And I found it very interesting in an old episode of The Waltons. I don't know if any of you remember The Waltons. But, and I don't even know the girl's name. I mean, it's, it was just that she was... Um, I'll tell you the story. The house burned down, and all the kids got dispersed to different places in the community. And this young lady, one of them, I don't know, you might know who they are. I don't know who they are. That was before my time. But uh, she went to the reverend's house. And, and she decided that she was going to walk in humility and wear awful, you know, just plain dresses and not put on makeup. And, and maybe her name was Mary Ellen. I don't know. But then, but then mom comes and says, you realize that there's pride in your humility. What? Yeah. You see, being a servant means just to walk humbly and not to draw attention to ourselves and not to be like, oh, I'm so humble. Can you imagine? I'm so humble. I'm so humble. Oh, no, I, I can't afford a, a new shirt. I'm just humble. God would not allow me to be. And you draw all that attention. People, oh, poor you. We don't want to be that either, do we? So we all want to be used by God. Well, Here's what I want you to do. In tonight's lesson, we're going to discover four, four key elements that we can learn to be ready to be used by God. Okay? So, you guys know this, preaching to the choir, but jot this down. The first key element is prayer. It's prayer. How so? Picking it up in verse 17, it says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and his companions that they might seek the mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Your attention, please. We know the story, but let me ask you this. Who did God give the vision to? Who did God reveal the secret to? Daniel. Thank you. Dan Daniel prayed. Now, here's what I find interesting. He employed his bros. Come on, guys, let's pray. Here is a good servant of the Lord. Not one of them went, Oh God, you didn't give me the vision. Why did you give it to Daniel? Is he more special than me? Come on now, you're laughing because that's how we are. Even in ministry. Well, why did you tell... Well, I thought I was... I've known the Lord longer. Really? And again, I just... 
God chose Daniel, and the boys were like, cool. All glory to God. But they were just as important and vital because they prayed together. Guys, pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Because, again, you go, he's the one up there preaching. He's the one that's speaking the Bible. He's the one. But you are just as important and vital in this ministry to go forth. But you've got to pray. You pray for your pastor. You pray for our church. You pray for each other. You pray for the vision that God has given us. You pray that God would open the doors to more family members. This is how we pray. But who gets the glory? God does. God does. But this is intense, is it not? Death is knocking at the door. What does Daniel decide to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. You know what? If Daniel doesn't get an answer, by morning he's dead. You understand that. But you know what? Daniel, if the answer is no, Daniel's still good with God. Okay? Here's what I told that lady yesterday. Did you remember this, Adam? Here's what I told him. No matter what, we win. If the answer is yes, we win. If the answer is no, we win. If the answer is goodbye, we win. We need to live that way, guys. We win. And that's what Daniel says. He went, Lord, I don't get an answer. I win anyway. I win anyway. I wonder, I'm gonna, this is my opinion, so I'm going to step to the side of the pulpit. I wonder if, if Daniel was somewhat thinking, Lord, don't answer. <laughs> because hindsight tells us that he spent how many years in, in Babylon? Seventy? He never went back to Jerusalem. So he can said, listen, Lord, this is three years in. I could be home. Don't answer. <laughs> don't answer. But God answered, and so now Daniel's, but no, 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 but see, here's the thing. If the sermon is God wants to, you want to be used by God, he's going to use Daniel in chapter 7, and the lion's den, and all, all the four kings, he's going to use Daniel. I just wonder, I just wonder. Something to think about while you're awake tonight at 2 in the morning. So what's Daniel's character? You go, what's that? It's to pray first regardless of the circumstances. No matter how intense the situation had become, Daniel knew the power of prayer. I want to stop right there. Do you, church, know the power of prayer? Sometimes I feel like we're so anemic in prayer. Not that we don't pray, but we don't understand the power of prayer. We're really praying. If we're going to be used by God in His glory, we must become men and women of prayer, of prayer. Listen, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this. And I've been thinking about the children of Israel. Do you remember when they, um, they were going into the promised land and God was feeding them supernaturally with manna, right? And, and every morning they'd get up, there'd be food, there'd be manna. Uh, God supernaturally. They didn't plant anything. They didn't do anything until they got into the promised land. In the promised land, he goes, okay, manna stopped. You guys need to work now. Till the ground. You know, let's farm. Let's get this thing going. 
And it reminded me, and I said, well, Lord, I know there are times when God won't give us supernaturally what we can get naturally. We have to work for it. We have to do that. But then the Lord reminded me he does both. There are times it's supernatural, but there's a lot of times. And here's the point, guys. If your prayer life is anemic, we need to work at getting a good prayer life. If you're going, man, my prayer life is not up to par. I just... And, and I don't feel like I'm even connected. I'm just saying words and we need to work hard because we're in the promised land now. And God says, go, go, go do this. What should I do? Find a book on prayer. Find something that can help you. Lord, help me to learn. Teach. The disciples came to the Lord. Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us to pray so we walk around going, whoa, you're healed and you're in. Da, da, da. But we pray so that we're going, God, I'm, I'm walking in this situation next. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't want my prayer to be the dice. Oh, oh I want to go. I hear the Lord and I know his voice. So what's the first thing we do, church? We must the very first thing is we must determine to do what? Is to pray. You know what Martin Luther said? Martin Luther said this, quote, If I should ne- neglect prayer but a single day, I should lose a great deal of the fire of faith, end quote. So when we pray, remember this. Number one, the love of God that wants the best for us. You see, God's not going, la, 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 when we pray, I can't hear you. That's not God. He's going, okay, I want the best for you. Number two, the wisdom of God, that he knows what's best for us. Don't go down that path. That's, there's consequence. No, 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 no. But God, I want this. No, 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 no. And the power of God that can accomplish it, the power of God. Remember, there are times that we can fold our hands and bow our heads and politely pray to God. And other times we should pray with that just, God, please. God, please. It was, it was Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, who used to pray that his assistant pastors would, uh, would be um, held over the fires of hell for just a moment so they'd have that just to pray for souls. I never want to pray that prayer. Lord, let me see hell for just a moment. Mm-mm. But we should pray with that fervency for souls. We should pray. There's a whole slew of people we know in government we need to pray for. And we cannot have the attitude to hell with them. That's not a soul winner. We need to know the power of what God can do in a life. I think about this, guys. Um, When Martin Luther's puppy happened to be at the table, he looked for a morsel from his master, and he watched with an open mouth and motionless eyes. And he, Martin Luther, said, Oh, if I could only pray the way this dog watches the meat. All his thoughts are concentrated on the piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, wish, or hope. 
And we know that all too well. We had a golden retriever at our house named Sam. We were talking about this the other day. Sam used to like to sit right by me. I don't know why. Sam used to like to sit by me, and, and if I was eating, he would just stare me down. He wouldn't move. And eventually I'd look at him, and he'd be drooling halfway to the ground. And I'd be like, Sam! And that's what Martin Luther's saying. If we could, what was he for? He was hoping that I would give him something, drop something. You know what? Hey, that steak looks good, buddy. The doorbell could ring, and he's like, I'm not taking my eyes off this steak. One time, Natalie was getting ready, <laughs> getting ready for work, and she made herself a peanut butter sandwich and put it on the counter. And that was, oh, she's starving. She made a peanut butter and put it right there. She walked in the room and came back, and Sam was, it was gone. And you go, Ben, what was the point of that? Guys, if we could pray like that, where we keep our eyes focused on the Lord, and then we go after it with Jispa. I think Nathalie was a little mad about that. She was so mad. She was late to work, and Sam took your sandwich. So Daniel prayed, and God answered. So Daniel prayed, and God answered. God always responds to our prayer, does he not? Different answers based upon his sovereignty. How so? Look at verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Guys, think about this real quick and we'll move on. We don't know what time it was that the king or Ariok came. It could have been early in the morning. Daniel's been praying all day long. And it wasn't until night that he got the answer. What's the point? Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up. You know what? Keep praying. There are people who have prayed for people for 19, 20 years, and they finally get saved. Could you imagine if you've given up at year 15? Well, they're never going to get saved. Bunch of heathens are my friends. No, you keep praying. Lord, save them. But how even more important with our family who's not saved? We're praying, and we're praying, we're praying, and we don't give up. I'd rather go to my grave going, you know what, I prayed until I died than go, I gave up. And Now, so we have prayer, but the second, the second element we must employ to be used by God is this, praise. Praise. So you have prayer and you have praise. Look at verse 20. Daniel answered, what is was his answer? Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Right? And in this... And the next three verses, Daniel has celebrated the praises of Almighty in a simple but truly exalted and animated strain of warm and affectionate devotion. Here's what he does. He made special mention of his wisdom, power, and might. You know what's the first thing when God answers prayer? is praise. It's praise. I love the way that the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 32, 19, he says this, determined in purpose... And relentless in following through, you see everything that men and women do and respond appropriately to the way they live, to the things they do. That's how he puts it. He says, man, you do that, Lord. You are great. You are amazing. You are wonderful. Question. If the Lord had not answered, would Daniel still praise him? If the answer was no, 
would Daniel still live? I think so. Lord, I want to learn that. I want to learn that even when things don't go my way, that I can still praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, verse 21, again, if you're a note taker, this is future events, but notice with me. He says, speaking of the Lord, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Now, if you want to be used by God in mighty ways, you always, always, always give him the glory. Hey, great job there, praise God. It's God. It's God who gives us the ability. It's God who gives us the wisdom. It's God who gives us the strength. And I want you to know, God changes the times and the seasons, and he removes kings. This is a key. This is key in prophecy. Why? Because I want you to see in chapter 7, verse 25, Daniel is speaking on a world ruler in our day. Who is it? It's the Antichrist. Look at 725 in your Bibles, or you can look it up in the screen. He says, this person, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High. He shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a times. Okay? He's speaking now. You go, well, I haven't seen any anti-Christ. No, but you see the Spirit, don't you? Why? Because they're changing times. Now, I don't have time to get into it, and I haven't validated this story, but talk to Nathalie about a lady she met yesterday, and it will floor you. Floor you what's going on in our world. Not in Texas, but in California. Ask her the story. And it's exactly what this is doing. That spirit wants to change times, wants to change, and it's all about control. I thank God for Lubbock, Texas, that we're slow. (laughs) We're slow in the sense of wherever the world is at. I thank God for that. Because i got a lot of friends in places that are going... We want to move to Texas. We want to move to Texas. And I said, we don't have any room. So (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, anyway, yeah. Um, He's going to talk about this little horn, a world ruler that's going to intend to change times and the law. And his intent is to take the place of God. Daniel, later in verse 30, comments that the man's complete dependence upon God for wisdom. Okay, so he praises God for he. Notice in verse 22, he reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness and light dwells within him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and you have made me now known to me what we asked you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. I love the fact that Daniel Man, he just praised God. He said, Lord, I praise you for your power and your might. Daniel thought of how God in his command of all things, and God is mightier than a king like Nebuchadnezzar. Do you realize that God is greater than any president or king in this world? Don't for a second 
think that God doesn't have everything under control. He does. He does. Does God know about our current administration? He does. And he's greater. And do you see he's using him for a purpose? And you go, what's that purpose? God's heart is to bring people to Christ. And we pray for that. We pray for that. Daniel just praises and praises and praises. Daniel is used by an awesome and mighty ways because he knows the value of prayer and praise. Listen, church, if you want to be used by God, prayer and praise. When someone comes up to you and says, wow, that was amazing, you don't take the credit. Well, you know, (laughs) I've been studying the Bible for 25 years now, and uh, no, you just go, you know what, praise God. Praise God. That's, can I just be honest with you? That's the honest truth for me because I'll be listening to myself on the radio and I'll think, wow, that was really good. There's no way I could think of that. That had to be the Lord. You know? That had to be. And you guys have been in that same boat. You, God's using you at your work or whoever it might be and you'll say something. You might be talking to a sister on the phone and God will use you and you go, wow, where did that come from? That's the Lord. But you don't take credit, do you? You say, wow, Lord, thank you. And what did I say? I forgive and forgot. And then they'll call you back and say, hey, do you remember what you said? And you're like, no, sorry. Well, you really impacted my life. Cool. Guys, if we're going to be used by God for his glory, we must be men and women of praise. Of praise. Let me give you the third one quickly. The third element to be used by God is confidence. Confidence. Look at verse 24. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the queen, king, and thus said to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known the king the interpretation. There's a couple of things happening in here. Do you guys see this? There's two different characters here. Don't, don't you agree? You have, you have a godly character and a man, and, 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 and a man of the world. You have a god, you go, what do you mean? Well, let's, let's look at the character of the worldly man. He says, I have found the man of the captives. Arioch was sitting there drinking his Diet Coke. Are you kidding me? And he comes up and he's like, I've done it. I will make known the, and, and yeah, he wanted kudos. Oh, hey, woo, Arioch. But it's worldly. And the Bible defines worldliness by centering morality where intuitively, no, it should be. Worldliness is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Self-satisfaction. Worldliness, then, is a preoccupation with the ease and affluence. It elevates creature comfort to the point of idolatry. Me? Large salaries, comfortable lifestyles become a necessity of life. Well, what's the difference? Well, look at the character of the godly man. Daniel says in verse 30, and it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Daniel goes, hey, it's not me. I'm not smarter than anybody. God just happened to use me. You see, church, if we're honest, 
All we are is a beggar telling other beggars where to buy bread. What are we? We're beggars. You go, what are you doing? I'm just telling you where to buy bread. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. So, verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen? That's interpretation. Again, Daniel's godly care comes shining through. Daniel answered in the presence of the king, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magician, the soothsayers, cannot declare to the king. In other words, what's he saying here, guys? No, I can't. We can't. He's being honest. But, look at verse 29. But, I can't. But, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known King Nebuchadnezzar and what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Guys, Nebuchadnezzar's dream didn't just concern himself for the kingdom, but the whole span of the future, which was to Nebuchadnezzar the latter days. Okay? But as for you, O king, thoughts came in your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to what will be. If we're going to be used by God for his glory, we must be men and women of confidence. Confidence. Confidence in who God is and what he wants to do. We had a leadership meeting last night and Pastor Sov was praying that God would raise up other pastors. Some of you might have a call on your life to be a pastor. Walk in that, that call. I like that. But you go, I'm not called to be a pastor, but whatever God has called you to do, have that confidence that that's what God is calling you to do. Confidence. Last but not least, guys, the fourth element is, again, it's praise, but it's differently. It's giving glory to God. Why? Because look at verse 30. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than any living, anyone living, but for the sakes who make known the interpretation to the king that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Daniel's answer is a masterpiece of setting the matter in its proper light. How so? Giving the glory to God. He goes, listen, it's all about God. It's all about God. And I believe in this fourth element, if we're going to be used by God, that should always be our final words to God be the glory. The glory to God. The glory to God. Oh, man, you did good. Oh, God. Pastor Ben, that was amazing. Sir, oh, oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So as we close, as we close, what does it take to be used by God? You ready? We're going to go over these very quickly. Number one, prayer. Prayer. But I want you to do me a favor. Will you just assess your prayer life in your own heart? Lord, how's my prayer life? I mean, really. Really assess. Lord, am I really praying? Am I talking to you? Am I believing I'm talking to you? Because sometimes we get so caught up, we've been taught how to pray. 
for so long that we sort of we sort of pray. We just oh, that's how I pray. Oh, you been praying? I prayed about it. But but I want you for just a moment, church, to to grow in this moment. Assess your prayer life and go, Lord. What am I lacking, and and should I draw closer to you? The element number two is praise. We want to use by God. It's praise. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. We give you all the honor and glory. You are amazing. Good, bad, whatever it might be, we give praise to the Lord. Why? Um, ready? Spoiler alert. We win. You win. If God says yes, you win. If God says no, you win. If God says wait, you win. So praise him. That's the hardest thing for me to do. You've heard the song, Praise Him in the Storm. It's hard to praise Him in the storm. I praise Him when things are going way good. Way, oh God, you're amazing. This is amazing. Oh, become a storm? My praise sound a lot like this. Why? How come? I don't deserve this. I need to learn to praise Him in the storm. Praise Him in the mountain. Praise Him in the valley. If we're honest, we spend more times in the valley than we do in the mountaintop. Can I get an amen? So praise Him. Learn to praise Him. You know what? When Joe Mabry beats you at golf, praise Him. Praise Him. See? (laughs) Praise Him. You praise Him now. And then have the confidence in the calling that God has put in your life. Because he's called every one of us to a specific duty and a specific task and a specific calling. He has. He has walk in your calling. And last but not least, always give glory to God. Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you tonight for your great love for us. Thank you, Lord. Wow, what a beautiful Bible study, Lord, because your word is so real and so alive. So Lord, as we we come to the final closing song. I pray, Lord, tonight that we would, we would take these to heart. Father, I often pray, show us our blind spots, our blind spots Lord, so, so I know where I'm stumbling and, and I'm missing things. Thank you for the anointing, Lord. Thank you for walking in our calling. And we give you the honor and glory. May we never, ever stand and say, it's, it's us but we know it's you. Lord, give us the confidence that you are God, you are on the throne, and we love you, Jesus, and you love us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, so we love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.